So, so as I thought about what I could share with you guys for my last message with you, with you guys, what I could leave you with, absolutely the most important thing that I can leave you with is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came into this world to die for your sins and for mine, that he, he was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. He ascended to heaven, and one day, he's coming back. That is by far the most important thing that we can ever focus on in this life. Guys, the world is going to tell you that this issue or that issue is more important than the gospel. Listen, they are lying to you. The gospel is more important. They will tell you to look over here or to look over there, but our focus should always be on the gospel, on the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, the issues in this world, the individual issues, right, can only be solved with the gospel. Jesus is the solution to the sin problem in this world. And each of these different individual problems that people want to focus on, right, it's not that they're not noble causes, but each of these individual issues that people want to focus on, right, they can all be solved with the gospel, with transformed hearts and lives because of Jesus Christ. And so I tell you, give your attention to the gospel. Do not believe the lie that there is something that is, is more of a priority than the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is what saved me 34 years ago. When I was five years old, we were having the Lord's Supper at my church, and as, as the Lord's Supper passed by me, right, the bread which represented Christ's body that has been broken for us, as that passed by me, and as the juice, the cup of juice that represents Christ's blood that was shed for us, as that passed by me, my mom said, nope, you can't have any of that. I didn't understand why, right? My dad's the pastor of the church. I go to Sunday school. I go to vacation Bible school. Man, I am here every time the doors are open with my family. Why can I not have the bread and the juice that everybody else seems to be getting? And so I began asking my mom questions, which opened the door for her to share the gospel with me, that Jesus died for our sins, that that is what the bread and the juice represented his body broken, his blood shed. That opened the door for her to tell me that, yes, I went to church. Yes, my parents were Christians, but I had never made that decision myself. I had never repented of my sins. I had never made Jesus the Lord of my life. And guys, I know I was only five years old, but I understood enough at that time didn't understand everything. I still don't. At 39 years old, I still don't understand everything. And honestly, I don't think I'm going to understand everything until I'm in the presence of Jesus himself. But at five years old, I understood enough to know that I had sinned and that my sin separated me from God and that I needed a Savior and that Jesus was that Savior. And so I turned from my sins that night. I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And Jesus is the one that has changed my life. On October 4th, 1987, I stood before my church, which is First Baptist Stockdale, and I was baptized. And my life 
has never been the same. Now, I'm not saying I've been perfect. You guys know, right? We're, we're not suddenly perfect when we give our lives to Christ. But as I said earlier, when we were playing that game, right, God's word and prayer have been foundational in my life. And yes, I have made plenty of mistakes in my life, but I have always gone back to Jesus. The gospel is the most important thing in our life. And so we need to continue to remember, yeah, maybe we've screwed up along the way. You can always go back to Jesus. You can always turn back to him. So we're gonna continue in our uh, series tonight titled Story Time, looking at looking at the parables that Jesus has shared. And, and, and as I say that we're focusing on the gospel, we're gonna see how that ties into our passage tonight. So you can turn with me to Matthew chapter uh, 21. We're gonna look at verses 28 through 33. Matthew 21, 28 through 33. The title of our parable tonight is the parable of the two sons, the parable of the two sons. So let's take a look at this. Matthew 21, 28 through 33. Jesus said, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, my son, go work in the vineyard today. He answered, I don't want to. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the man went to the other and said the same thing. I will, sir, he answered, but he didn't go. Which of the two did his father's will? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. Tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. But, but you, when you saw it, didn't even change your minds then and believe him. All right. So as we look at this passage, let me give you one overarching truth. One overarching truth. Repentance is the key. Repentance is the key. As we think about the good news and as we think about allowing the good news to change our life, repentance is is the key. So we see these two sons in this story, and in some ways, these sons are, are different, right? We see the first son, he said no to the father initially. The father said, will you go and work for me? He said no. The second son, he, he said, yes, I'll go and do it, right? So you see some, some differences right there with their initial responses. And so maybe... Maybe the son that initially said no was a bad boy, right? Maybe he was the rebel, right? His dad asks him to do stuff, and he says no. So, so help me out here. What are some things that, when you, that you think of when you think of the bad boy or the rebel? What are some things that come to your mind? All right, someone that's going to be rebellious to their parents, essentially. Okay. Someone else? Give me descriptors. Descriptors, Hazel. Potty mouth, all right? Maybe they don't use the right language, okay? Give me another one. All right. Melinda, terrible clothing, all right? All right. Anything else? Anything else for the bad boy? 
disobedient, okay? All right, so we have this son that maybe had a potty mouth, and he was disobedient, and he didn't have great clothing, all right? He didn't fit the standard type of the way people might dress, right? He, he, he dressed to the beat of his own drum, all right? And so the father came to him and said, said, go out into the vineyard to work for me. And he said, no, all right? Now you have the second son. He says yes right off the bat. Maybe he was the goody two-shoes of the sons, all right? So let's describe a goody two-shoes. Give me some descriptors for a goody two-shoes when you think of someone that's the goody two-shoes. Always doing favors, all right? Maybe the teacher's pet at school, right? Teacher's pet, huh? Rule follower, all right? Anything else? What about their clothing? Dresses, nice khaki pants, button-up shirt, penny loafers. <laughs> he, he makes sure he's got the penny right in those loafers. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you have the bad boy, then you have the good, or you have the goody two-shoes that, that dresses all nicely. He's the teacher's pet, man. He always does everything right. He's the rule follower, all right? So he says yes to the father, all right? So we see some of these differences. Well, let's talk away, uh, let, let me talk about the ways that we see some similarities in the father's interaction with these two different boys, right? First, their father offered both of them the same invitation. Their father offered both of them the same invitation. Understand, it does not matter who you are. The invitation for salvation is for everyone, all right? It doesn't matter if you are, in the world's eyes, the rebel or the bad boy, or if you are, in the world's eyes, the goody two-shoes, the preppy kid, right? Do people say preppy anymore? I don't know. You know, that was something that when I was growing up, all right? What's the word I should use now for that? Cringe? No. <laughs> all right, cringy. All right. <laughs> so... It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if, if you are what the world thinks is bad or what the world thinks is good. The invitation for salvation is for all of us because understand, when it comes to our sin, we are all bad in God's eyes. I have said this time and time again in my messages, right? Our good works do not make us good in God's eyes, Salvation does not come from our good works. I talked to someone not too long ago. She was asking me how could she know that she's going to heaven because her understanding of going to heaven was based on good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. But how do you know if you're good enough? And the answer is in God's word. None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough to save ourselves. This is why Jesus came into the world to die for us, because none of us are good enough, but Jesus is good enough. His sacrifice is enough. And so whether the world sees us as bad, and maybe we are bad, right? Maybe we look at our own life and we're like, man, I have royally screwed up. I've sinned here and here and here and here. We are bad, 
Maybe we think we're, we're better, but we still have some sin here, 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 and here, right? The reality is, is that our sin, man, God is so perfect. Our sin makes us fall so far short of his per- perfection. And so none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own. We all need Jesus. And that is why Jesus came into this world to die, because we all need Jesus. And so we see, we see that their father offered the same invitation to both of them, but I also want you to hear that the father offered the invitation to them individually. The father offered to them, the, the invitation was offered separately to them. That's how I worded it on the screen. The, the invitation was offered separately to them. All right, this is important to understand because when it comes to our salvation, it is an individual decision, right? I am not saved. I was not saved at five years old simply because my parents were Christians. I was not saved at five years old simply because I went to church with Christians, I had to make a decision for myself what I was going to do with the invitation for salvation. Was I going to turn from my sins? Was I going to repent and allow for Jesus to become the Lord of my life? What was I going to do with the invitation? And so the father goes to each of these sons individually and says to them, will you work for me? Will you work for me? It is an individual decision what we do with the invitation for salvation. It is not a collective decision. We are saved as individuals. Jesus died for all, but we are saved as individuals. We must come to Jesus as individuals. And so as we look once again at our passage, let me bring you back to that statement once again. Repentance is the key. Repentance for our individual lives is the key. So let's look now again at their different responses, right? Because the difference really is in their responses. The invitation was the same, but their responses to the invitation was different. The first son said, said, no, I will not go, but later he changed his mind and went, all right? That change of mind That is repentance, guys, right? He changed his mind. He repented of that wrong attitude, and he went and accepted the invitation to work. That is repentance. The other son, he said all the right words, but he didn't obey the father. He did not go out to work. He said, yes, I'll go work for you, and then he never went. Listen, You can know all the right things to say. You can learn all the churchy lingo. You can come in here every single week. You can come to Sunday school. You can come to big church on Sunday mornings. You can say all the right things and completely miss that relationship with Jesus. That son, he knew the right thing to say, but he missed the opportunity to go and work for his father. He didn't walk in obedience. And so Jesus, he gives this story, this this parable about these two sons, and then he says, look, he's talking to 
the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. The religious people were the ones that knew all the right things to say, but they didn't truly know God. They knew how to pretend to be righteous. They knew how to pretend to be walking in that relationship with God, but they didn't know God. And so Jesus is talking to the religious people, and for a bit of a shock factor, he says to them, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, they're gonna enter the kingdom of God before you. Now, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they're the ones that everybody knew was sinning. The, the religious people, right, the Pharisees, they were sinning in secret. They were publicly saying the right things, but privately walking in disobedience. The prostitutes and the tax collectors, man, everyone knew they were sinning, right? They were just living in their sin openly. But Jesus says, when the tax collectors and the prostitutes heard the gospel, when John came and preached to them, they believed. So it's not that the tax collectors and the prostitutes were continuing in their sin. They turned from their sin, just like the son that changed his mind and went to work for the father. They heard the good news from John, and they turned from their sin, and they believed. And so Jesus says, these, these that, you, that you have seen openly sinning, they're going to enter the kingdom of God before you because they have turned from their sin and believed in the good news. But you, you say the right things, but you're continuing to walk in disobedience once again. As we look at this story, the heart of the story is repentance is the key. Repentance is the key. What are we going to do with the good news? As we are faced with this good news, what are we gonna do with it? Are we gonna continue to walk in our disobedience or are we gonna change our mind? Are we gonna turn from our sins and allow for Jesus to transform us? It doesn't matter where you find yourself in your life right now, how many times you've sinned in the past. It doesn't matter how broken your life might be. The world might look at you and say, man, they are a sinner. You have openly sinned. Repentance is the key. You can enter the kingdom of heaven if you are willing to change your mind, if you are willing to turn from that sin and turn to Jesus Christ and allow him to be the Lord of your life.